Hey everyone, welcome to The You, a sister publication of The XC. It's a newsletter, but also a podcast. I'm Alex Sear, and today I'm joined by two great guests. First is Julianne Stolly from Luckanoe, Ontario. She's a former Queen's Gale, a five-time youth sports All-Canadian, and a 2014 Canadian University champion. Stolly is now a post-collegiate athlete training out of London with the Backroads Bandits, or as she calls the new women's division, the Backroads Bandettes. Super catchy. And she just popped a massive PB of 847.95 in Boston last weekend, second fastest Canadian mark of all time, and World Athletics Indoor Championship qualifier. Yeah, I know. We'll get into that stuff later. Our second guest is Kevin Robertson. So nice they named him twice. Well, kind of. A current thread on Tracky, aptly titled, Who the Heck is Kevin Robertson? highlighted that we have two Kevin Robertsons who run fast in Canada. The Kevin Robertson we have on today is the eldest of the pair. The one who won gold in the 1000 meter at last year's U Sport Championship. The one who trains by himself at the Université de Montréal. The one who was a quarter of a second away from running his first sub four minute mile, but tripped in Boston last weekend. Here, we're letting him explain himself and convince us that he will be a 359 miler soon. So, without further ado, Let's hear from Julianne and then from Kevin. All right. I'm here with Julianne Stolly. I almost said Julianne New Balance Street. I'm sorry. Julianne Stolly <laughs> from London. How are you doing? Good. Thanks. Uh, okay. Let's get, let's get the elephant out of the room. I'm happy that you're here, uh, especially because you probably had a whirlwind of the last few days. Um, so if you've been following along Julianne's two-week journey or one-week journey. She just ran the race of her life last weekend. Would you say the race of your life? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, big 3K, 847.95 in Boston, way far below the world um, indoor standard. I think you had, you you beat the Athletics Canada uh, indoor standard by about 11 seconds, likely heading to Nanjing in the middle of March, uh, just to hear, I think, yesterday that, the indoor championship was was postponed. Yes, it was really unfortunate. I think they're kind of making a, a call, obviously a good call for the athletes, um, but it was really unfortunate to hear that it wouldn't be relocated and now being postponed to 2021, um, who knows, like in terms of next year where, where I'll be and what shape I'll be in. So, um, but I, yeah, there's nothing you can do about it. So now just kind of focusing on goals, looking ahead. Yeah, that's a tough pill to swallow. But I mean, in all that, you do have a huge positive, which is the race itself. No one can take the fitness away from you. So 847.95, you won the heat by over 10 seconds, far and away. Um, Take me through the race, because before then, your 3K PB was just hovering around the nine-minute mark, right? Yeah, so I guess from my doors, I ran 9.01 last summer. Um, officially, indoor PB would have been the 9.17 that I ran a couple weeks before. Um, and yeah, I guess in terms of the race itself, it was we weren't really expecting a strong field, um, just kind of looking at the heat sheets. Um, but yeah, once we, once we uh, got kind of into the the training and um, Steve kind of assessed how we were doing in terms of workouts, then um, we were gunning for that sub nine minute mark. So um, that was really exciting. So your goal was to just break nine. Uh, Take me a bit through the race. What was the game plan? 
Yeah, so going into the race, um, we knew that it wasn't going to be a super strong field. Um, luckily, I had Jenna Westaway, um, Canadian national record holder in the 1,000. Um, so she had just done um, the K beforehand in 2.40. And I had asked if she would be able to pace through 71.72. So really kind of that 3K pace. Um, and then hopefully be able to chop it down to get under nine minutes. So she had all of the splits written down her arm before we started the race. And she was showing me that it all equaled out to 8.50. So I had a little bit of a freak out. But she said, I can't do, I can't do point seconds. She's like, I'm going to go 35. Um, so anyways, it was, it was good. We went out hard. It was 2.55. Um, no one was with us. And when she stepped off after 1,200, I just kind of wanted to all right, like this is when the race starts and it's pretty familiar, especially in training. Um, I have a good friend of mine who paces a lot of the workouts with me. And as soon as he steps off, I, I know like, this is okay. This is the time that it's going to start hurting. But um, up until that point, usually I'm pretty relaxed. So I think my second K, I don't know, Chris said like 258 or something. And then I closed in a 252. So it just, everything seemed to click, I think. And with my training and what I've been doing and all that, it seems to be working so coming through at 8 47 i was like oh shit oh, <laughs> i did not expect to start a year this way but um i'm very happy with that and um now i'm just kind of looking ahead and obviously this opens some new doors for the rest of the season so yeah well, it's such a good feeling and talking about that training you uh you had a bit of a change in the last few months so you're you're located in london right now along with a whole lot of other runners seemingly everyone in ontario is kind of migrating down to <laughs> london um, is it, how does it work for you now? Are you still working with, with Steve Boyd? So you did your undergrad and master's at Queen's. So you've been training under Steve for a good while. Yeah, I've been working with Steve, I guess, for going on eight years. Um, and I, when I moved to London in 2018, um, I, I really didn't think twice in terms of the coaching. I knew that like over the, over the years that we've been working together and the relationship that we've built, um, you can't you can't replace that and I think getting a new coach is a very big decision and for me with every other change going on in my life I think that's the one thing that was um, kind of the the rock I guess um, so making making the move but having the same training and knowing that Steve knows me and that we work fairly well online just corresponding weekly through email um, it seems to be working. And we made some changes to the training program last year. So focusing less on, um, I guess, the mileage piece and more on intensity, like quality over quantity, I think has been more so the focus. And I don't know if that's deliberately or if he just kind of sees that I'm, I get more out of speed work and that sort of thing. So over the last, I guess, I'd say year and a half now living in London, um, yeah, it's just been kind of a solid training build and this time last year I was on the elliptical injured so it sure feels good to be um doing an indoor season now I guess it's been three years since I've yeah hit the indoor track so uh, well that's good that's people always complain about the indoor season but being stuck on the elliptical is a whole other level of shittiness definitely. <laughs> oh for sure yeah so for you sure. you're over there um I, I know Michael Rokas uh, had a podcast profiling the men over there, but quietly there seems to be a contingent of, of women um, sprouting up at the with the London, uh, the back roads bandits. So there's yourself and <laughs> Jenna's kind of like a, a, a recent uh, addition. I guess you were mentioning that she travels back and forth and you have a few other yeah. training partners, right? Yes. Yeah, it's it's 
kind of under the table, I guess, but we're trying to coin ourselves as the bandettes instead of the bandettes. Bandettes. Oh my God. <laughs> the bandettes. It's not quite happening yet, but um, yeah, we have our Sunday long group, which is Sunday long, I'm sorry. And uh, yeah, Jenna, myself, um, Alex Lucky, um, Shannon Murray, another Queens alum, um, Amanda Trulove. So we've got kind of a good little group going and Kate Curran as well from Western um, joins in. Um, so it, it is really nice. And just being able to correspond with workouts every so often. And although our training schedules look a little bit different and we're all coached um, separately, it, you, you can still get in good runs together. So it makes, it makes those long days a lot easier. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So you're definitely well surrounded. Well, that's, that's, that's good news. Yeah. And now yeah. I know you, you're probably, uh, you're probably still ruminating over this, but uh, what's the game plan for the next the next few weeks, next few months? Has it changed at all since the since the indoor news? Or yeah, I just well, I texted Steve yesterday and I I told him like with worlds canceled, like what does this change for the indoors and does this shift the focus at all and our goals? And um, I really wasn't planning to hit the indoor season this hard, but I think if you're fit, um, you you've got to take advantage of that. So. Um, I will be heading to Michigan uh, this weekend, uh, Michigan U, uh, for a mile on the indoor track there. Never have never run in Ann Arbor before, so I'm pretty excited for that. And then uh, the following weekend, I I've got a spot into Melrose for the 3000. Oh, so nice! That I think is going to really be the highlight of the of the season for sure. So I'm very excited for that. Chris is going to come along as well to New York. So. Um, that'll be on the 7th. And then I think after that, we'll have to kind of decide and see. Um, Boston Valentine is obviously an option um, on the 14th. But um, because I'm not needing to chase a specific standard now or um, kind of worry about ranking so early, um, maybe just take a little bit of time off and then get ready for, for outdoors. Mm-hmm. And I know that Mich- the, other two, uh, the other two meets are probably – a bit better known, but I know that Michigan just from being in Windsor for a couple of years, they had the whole new uh, resurfacing, I guess the whole new facility open up and they have a 300 meter track and a 200 meter track and it's hydraulics. I'm not really sure how it works, but apparently it's a thing of beauty. Yeah. So that could be, that could be a fast one too. Yeah. I, I had a phone call with uh, Mike McGuire, the coach there the other night and just discussing kind of the game plan and pacing and all that sort of thing. And he was really, he was selling the track to me. Like I was going to, go to the school almost <laughs> like it, it's pretty exciting but yeah I believe it's like a hydraulic track that changes for each distance run so um yeah hopefully hopefully it translates to a quick time <laughs> yeah, that's cool you know I am I was disappointed when I heard about world indoors but on the other hand I kind of wasn't worried about you as I, I got to thinking because I'm like oh I'm gonna talk with Julianne tomorrow she'll probably pretty be pretty disappointed but then I thought you know what <laughs> if it is to happen to someone best be Julianne because there's something about you. You seem to be really, really consistent. And I'm sure that when the time comes, it'll be, you'll be ready. There's a stat that someone, uh, someone was talking about last year. I don't know if it's, if it's accurate, you're going to, you're going to have to verify that one for me, um, that you are the <laughs> only U sports slash CIs slash CIAU athlete ever to be in all Canadian in all five uh, of their cross country national showings, I believe I know from Queen's University. I was the first flight time all Canadian there for the history of the school. In terms of uh, across across uh, schools or sports, I 
I would find that hard to believe. I'm sure there's other athletes that have, have got that. But um, Queens, for sure, that was um, in my fifth year, um, coming top 14 at, at cross country um, all five years was, yeah, the first time that's ever happened. So, yeah. So that's this <laughs> that's is cool, an invitation to anyone who listens who's like, oh, I know this guy or whatever. He was there. She was there. So, so I'm sure someone will correct us. But as of now... As far as my research goes, you're the only one I found. So an invitation (laughs) for a correction somewhere. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. With you, it's always been some kind of consistency. Do you have a secret? Is there a key? How can you be consistent? Keep getting better from year to year. Because you've had like a good 10 years of, you know, steady improvement, maybe with a setback here and there. But what's the secret? Oh, gosh, that's... That's a loaded question. Um, consistency and performance. I mean, I would be lying if I said I haven't had my setbacks. I think every serious athlete who's training at this level um, is going to have setbacks or else you're probably not kind of pushing yourself, I guess, to those to those limits. But honestly, I, I would have to say in terms of the training, it's just really kind of that uncompromised approach to the day in day out focusing on details and with Steve um I know what the workouts are going to look like I, I have a pretty good sense in terms of what he's trying to trying to accomplish with each build and um it's really just focusing on those little little details and this year I've really incorporated quite a bit of strength training and I think in terms of injury prevention and just overall um running mechanics it's it is it's been a really big um kind of addition I think to my training as well and um, I think your mindset has a lot to do with it too. You have to underlying it all. You just have to love the sport. If you're not enjoying what you're doing, and if you don't love it, um, when when it gets rough, then that's when you have to kind of dig a little bit deeper. And if your heart's really in it, then that's what is going to always carry you through. So, in terms of the consistency, I would think I would give eighty percent of that to Steve, and then the other twenty percent, I just maybe find that in, in myself. So yeah, yeah. And is the motivation always there after all these years? Oh, I'm sure there's days I'm, I'm kind of complaining about heading out for a cold run on a, on a winter night or so. But um, for the most part, I even just the little things about running and getting out and just being in your own head and clearing your thoughts and finishing a day or starting a morning like that, I think it's just become kind of a part of me. And I think no matter what, in terms of racing and accomplishments and trying to make teams, I think it's just something that I love to do. So um, yeah, whether competitive or just for me, I think I've always, I'm always going to want to run. Mm. What I, people uh, sometimes talk about that question and I find it comes up a whole lot more when we become post-collegiate runners. You'll have people who kind of, it's a bit less justified when you're not a varsity athlete. When you're a varsity athlete, it's kind of like, well, this is what I do. I have a team. But when you get older and you take it seriously, you feel like you kind of get questioned by other people and, this happens, you know, this happened for me and it's happened for, I know people that I know, they kind of step back and then ask themselves the question because so many people question them. And then I find sometimes you just spend a bit of time seeing how the other side lives, getting away from running a bit and then realizing, oh, geez, yeah, this is something that I need in my life. But uh, anyway, it looks like with you, that's never been a problem. And uh, it's great to see you keep going. <laughs> looks like you have a great support system out there. I love following. I wish you'd be on Strava, but I follow Chris on Strava and I get all the Julian <laughs> details. And also, I said I wouldn't give a Chris shout out and this is two shout outs. So anyway, I'm sorry, Chris. I'm sorry. <laughs> 
two is too many. Yeah, he does, I think, most of the promotional stuff. So <laughs> post on Instagram every once in a while, but because he's kind of the Strava King from what I hear. So I'll let him look after that. And now you're traveling. Um, when you went to Boston, you're traveling with the Western team too. And in the fall, you got to coaching a little bit. Uh, I know you mentioned that you're not doing much coaching right now, but uh, you must still be kind of close with the, the people that you coached in the fall. And is that something that you want to kind of keep doing, getting into the coaching a bit more? Yeah, so I was super fortunate. Like the last couple of falls now that I've been in London, um, I sat down with Dee and we kind of discussed what a role would look like on the team. I helped out with Queens before I left as well um, in my final year there in Kingston. And it just, it it's an awesome way to stay connected and just being around the athletes and kind of remembering what it's like to have that team um, that's just that team environment really like I was telling Chris when I came home like just the bus rides there like you you're complaining about the nine hours to and from Boston but those are the times you remember and it's just fun to be a part of that and around I mean I'm a little bit older than them now but um similar aged athletes and um just watching them all kind of perform and balance that school and the sport life and it's just a really cool thing to be a part of and I mean I wouldn't say I have much um, impact in the training or, or just going to workouts and being a support and role model, I guess, if I, if I can be to the athletes, um, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And with your background, it just makes sense. I think that you'd get into coaching. So you're in teacher's college right now. I am in teacher's college. Yep. For, <laughs> first, first year, first second year. semester. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. And what, uh, so, what grade are you lining up to, uh, to teach specialize in? So I'm intermediate senior, so 7 to 12. Um, I think ideally, like, just based on my placements, I think grade 11 or 12 would definitely be kind of the best fit. Um, and my teachables are social sciences and um, health and business. So um, something along those lines would be awesome to incorporate, like, a sport aspect, coaching, and um, just my health studies background. To that. So that would be pretty cool. Nice. 11 and 12, I think that's where I would go. I, I don't think I'd have the balls to go <laughs> 7, 8, 9. I just remember myself in, in middle school and would not want to teach myself or my friends. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I think every grade definitely has a challenge. Um, but I just think in terms of the conversations and from my background, too, I think um, the, the mature, the student, I guess, the more the more connection I have. I'm not great with kids, I wouldn't say. So. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then, so before Teachers College, you had a you did a back you have a background in sports psychology. So you did a master's at Queens in sports psych. Is that still something you're pretty interested in? Um, just based on my research, I guess with the high performance sport and athletes, like it is very, um, it underlines a lot of um, team oriented kind of research and because the lab is not clinical based in terms of consulting and sports psychology that way. Um, it's really in terms of as a leader on a team, um, what you're doing for your athletes to be successful. So no matter like in a classroom setting or in yeah, a coaching role, it is kind of applicable. So whether or not, you know, to take that research and directly apply it or just kind of having those, like, I guess, I don't know, yeah, more like organizational thoughts in the back of your mind that has kind of, it, it, it makes me think of what I do in different ways for sure. So this is my story in sports psychology. I made it a whole, I think, 
five months in the master's program, and then I switched. And the thing that, and I thought it was it was really fascinating, and I liked reading about it. But what I found was difficult was that I had trouble separating sports psychology that I was learning and things that 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 the people I was consulting with with my own sports and my own athletic experience. How would how are you able to kind of like separate those two things? I find mostly with the coaching, I find that a hard piece. It's I'm still the athlete in my mind. So I can't see myself in a formal coaching position where um, it, it really takes a lot. And to distance yourself from the sport and look at it objectively as um, whether it's like you're dealing with athletes or the research itself, or it's hard not to be emotionally invested in that. And I think where I'm at in my career right now and just based on my maturity and age and everything I think I want to focus on just being that athlete and not reading too much into the details and um, I do like to kind of get those little snippets of research and figure out best practices and whether it be in psychology or physiology or whatever um, I'll such a scene stuff for instance is awesome just to be able to get kind of the, the the facts but in a more concise way but I think tangling it together and if you're if you're doing the research yourself and just thinking about that too much and it, it can kind of almost you blur the lines a little bit I think in terms of your performance and yeah you have to kind of step back a little bit and think okay what's what's best for me in my headspace and what I need to yeah where I kind of need to be in terms of running and and everything else. Yeah, well, the thing that you can do, which I think is always an advantage for a coach, is lead by example. I remember when Eric Gillis started coaching at St. FX, I was so jealous to have, because I was gone, to see a coach kind of being able to run with the athletes. So, you know, you you at least have that piece, which I think is pretty cool. It is. And I, and I see people like that or Hillary Stellingworth, and it's, it's really neat to see that level of athlete giving back. And I just I find it hard to to not get too emotional when you go to these races and I have a hard time watching like just a local 5k race with kind of like recreational runners I just I'm so kind of emotionally invested in that sport so maybe there'll come a time when like as a teacher and putting together maybe like a high school team or something like that where you're able to um, give back without kind of thinking of your own involvement directly in the sport. Because I think as a coach, um, it's difficult to play both roles as both the athlete and the coach. But um, yeah, it, it's great to see people like that in those positions and obviously doing so well with it as well. Mm. They need to start doing like a U sports cross country coaches race because I feel like it would be stacked. <laughs> it, would, it would be pretty, it'd be pretty good. I think, yeah, I think some sort of alumni races every so often, but um, it would be pretty cool. Maybe even between the like OUAs and like have some sort of like coach relay or something. That'd be fun. Yeah. I think, I wonder if you could put an all-star team of coaches together, see where they would place in the race. Like if you'd have, well, there'd be a, a, a men's side and a women's side, an all-star women's team of coaches need five coaches yourself, Hillary Stellingworth, who else would there be? Could could we could we find five who would actually place? Sure, two of the assistant coaches. I feel like there's some. When Steph is back and healthy, she would definitely be 
a good and also a good person. Yeah. <laughs> Most of Bishop is definitely coaching too. So. Oh, yeah. You guys would win. Um, it wouldn't even be fair. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. That, that would be neat. It would be fun to do that for sure. I feel like a lot of coaches usually come, come race day are pretty focused. So it might have to be something outside of the actual championship. Maybe in the morning, maybe before yeah, yeah, before things get really serious. They just muddy up the course pretty well, and then after that, they get to coaching. <laughs> True. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. All right. I'm going to end up with three closing questions, and okay. they're not hard questions. First question. <laughs> well, I don't think they're hard questions. What do you want to see happen for Julianne Stolle in 2020? Could be running, running related, could be something else. Twenty twenty. Um I guess just one month in, um, based on the times I'm kind of sitting at right now, I want to be able to get as close as I can to the Olympic standards. And whether that means in the five K or fifteen, um, we're not directly focusing on a specific distance quite yet. It's still early to figure out exactly um where I guess my aptitude is for for getting to that Olympic level. But um I'm gonna take my best run for it for really going and putting everything I can into into running a fast time and making it to the Canadian National Championships in Montreal. Um, what else do I see for myself this year? Staying healthy. I think even before that, I think the number one goal is always to stay healthy. If you can do that and train happy and healthy, then everything else usually is falls into place. But you got to be on your feet to be able to, to achieve your goals. So... Um, those are kind of the two main things. Um, definitely spending more time with family. Um, now that I live closer to home, um, I was just talking to my parents the other day and it's crazy to think like, I don't, I don't really go home any more than I did when I was in Kingston. So I need to, I need to make a point of that for sure. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of what I have in place for this year. And you're from Lucknow. Am I saying that right? Lucknow. Lucknow. Uh, luck Luckano, exactly. Luckano, Luckano. Okay. Yeah. And that's how far? How far is that from London? It's uh, an hour and a half north of the city. Okay, so still not right close to like just a bit closer than Kingston was, obviously. But yeah, okay. much much closer. Yeah. Okay. okay. Luckano, yeah. I'll remember that. Okay. Question two: What have you been reading lately? What's your last book? Um, on my bedside table, I have Endure by Alex Hutchinson right now. Nice. Um, I'm not a science nerd, so I do have to read it slowly just to make sure I'm understanding um, the points. But it is it is really neat how he has put together so much work and research into this book. So um, I'm a slow reader. I'm getting through that. Um, and then I'll have to probably pick up Runners of the Nish. It's on Chris's bedside. So that <laughs> oh, will be the next the next book. To, um, to be clear, yeah. this was not a plug for, for my book. Uh, <laughs> any cynical yeah. fans out there. Um, so here's my, here's my Alex Hutchinson story. Um, and if Alex listens, he doesn't know this because it just happened the other day. Um, in my, I'm in a journalism program and we have to do an internship in the summer and I went to one interview and uh, the person uh, picked me up in the lobby to bring me up to the, the interview room. And she turned to me and she says, uh, Alex Sear, I think we have a mutual friend, you and I. And like, that's such a terrifying question <laughs> until, you, you know, until you find out who the friend is. And I'm like, oh, who? 
And then she says, Alex Hutchinson. I thought, oh my God, that's like the best person you could say. And I, I wanted to say, well, I, I only met Alex, you know, maybe, maybe twice, but yep, I will take it. I'll definitely take it. Yeah, that's a connection you want to have. That's pretty, <laughs> you've made it. <laughs> yeah, in great that's book. Awesome. I loved Endure. I read it a while ago. Um, it's just so, I find it so cool how it starts with like him being at, the initial uh, breaking two challenge and like yeah just so cool great have you finished it or are you reading it right now i'm reading it right now so i i yeah i'll have to i'll have to update you again once i'm finished yeah definitely <laughs> and okay question three and you can't pick chris because this is now three times that we shout him out uh what <laughs> what what shout out would you like to give who do you want to who uh would you like to shout out to I honestly, uh, I already mentioned, I guess, totally missed you, but um, Steph Smith, I just had dinner with her a couple weeks ago, and she just had surgery um, on her labral um, tear on her hip surgery there. So um, a huge shout out to her, phenomenal athlete, um, someone that you want to see do well always. So, um, and she'll hopefully be starting teaching colleges as well next year, and she's living in London right now. So just an awesome girl, and I just hope everything goes well in terms of her for recovery and getting back and definitely someone we want to have in our long run group and yeah, just someone to, to train with would be awesome too. So yeah, shout out to Steph. Steph is, uh, we'll name her the first official friend of the show as it, as like TSN yeah. has friends of the show. She is our, one of our first official <laughs> friends of the show. And if I know Steph at all, she's going to tear up when she hears you. So Steph, don't cry. Do not cry, Steph. <laughs> awesome well julian always a pleasure uh thanks a lot for being on the uh the podcast and uh i guess as your official uh, outro that was julian stolly of the backroads bandettes let's get it trending (laughs) thank you thanks a lot who the heck is kevin robertson if you're following tracky that's one of the top threads today we're getting to know at least one kevin robertson we have Kevin from Montreal, thanks a lot for being on. How are you doing? Pretty good. What about you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thanks. Kevin, you are a man of many races and tasks lately. You're a 3K guy. You're a 1K guy. You're a miler. Congratulations on uh, your early season so far. You have a fast 3K under your belt, 803, and a quick mile in Boston. Pretty quick, close to the four. What was it exactly? Yeah, it was a four flat point twenty five. So yeah, pretty close from three fifty nine. Oh man, very close. Did you uh, did you envision such a quick start for yourself this year? Uh, to be honest, no. Uh, I knew that I had a good cross country season and at the beginning of the season, but I didn't know exactly what to hope because it was my first tricky in about three years. So. Training were were pretty good and everything, so I just went to Boston on the 21 December, I think, and I just ran as fast as I can. Um, I was running alone, so it was almost like a time trial, and when I saw the time, I was pretty happy with it. Good, yeah, definitely, an 8.03 that early in the year. And then 4 flat, 0.25, so we were talking the other day, you said... You have yet to break the four-minute barrier, so that must have been a pretty bittersweet time to see, right? Yeah, well, the time was awesome. Like, to be honest, I didn't think 
I didn't thought I was going to run that fast early in the season. So I was really happy with it. But when I started time, I was a little bit disappointed as well because I was so close from sub four. But it's going to be for another time. Yeah, and you will have you will have plenty of other opportunity even in the indoor season because the season is pretty young. Uh, for now, take me through that Boston race. So I know that you had a bit of a, a bit of a trip up by the end, but let's let's go through the whole race. Um, what was the goal going in? What was the what was the pace? Uh, the race was pretty even, so we started about like one flat for four hundred meters, and I stayed at that pace for like a thousand. Then after I slowed down a bit on my sixth turn, I think, and I fin I finished strong. Yeah, I did 58 flat for my last 400 meters. So yeah, I think I have like more energy at the end. So I think I can go faster. Yeah, and that's with a little. Uh, so you had a, a bump with with another runner. I haven't been able to see the race. So was it with 80 meters to go? You had a bit of a trip. Was that with another another runner? Yeah, exactly. It was with another runner, mm. and we were like, uh, uh, I don't know how to say this, but tight group. Yeah. So like everybody wanted to like just finish the race as fast as they can, and yeah, like his foot um, hit mine, and I like lose uh, lost uh, balance. Mm. Oh well, it's like you say, you know that there's a three fifty nine in the near future. Um, <laughs> what's the uh... What's the race schedule looking like until so you'll you'll probably have the Quebec Championships that'll be in four weeks time I think. Yeah, exactly. So I'm going to Boston again for Boston Valentine. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna be running another mile. Right. After there's gonna be the provincial uh, in Quebec City. Um, I'm not quite sure what event I'm gonna run, but we'll see. Maybe like I think I'm gonna have like a big weekend. Maybe I'm. I'm going to do like a lot of events and yeah. Yeah. Those, those Valentine meets are always great to get, to get a fast time. And I remember last year we had three, uh, three U sports uh, runners, Jack Sheffer, Angus Rawling and Jean-Simon Degagny went down there and they just ripped that three K. I think two of them were under eight and Angus was just over. And uh, yeah, these races are perfect, right? Cause they're kind of late in the indoor season and the track is so fast and, do you, did you find the track being quicker? What is it about there? Is it, is it shorter? Or is it quicker? <laughs> I don't know what what's that what's been uh, with this track, but I don't know. I love it. It's pretty nice. Um, the field is awesome as usual, and there's always a lot of people cheering for us. So it's creating a little. <laughs> I remember uh, you know watching some flow track videos, and yeah, it seems like the atmosphere is really great in there. Now. For you yourself, um, you're running this quickly in, in the mile and in 3K, and I wonder if that kind of got you hoping uh, to qualify for that world indoor team that was supposed to head out to China in <laughs> March. So that I did for a flat, I was like really hoping to go because I knew I could go faster. But to be honest, at the beginning of the season, my coach told me that it could be a goal, but it wasn't our major goal, uh, because indoor season for us is only a transition. When we're running fast in indoor season, it's just like a little bit surprise and a plus for me. So yeah, when I saw that the team was uh, removed from this year, I was a little bit disappointed, but I'll go, I'll try to run faster next year to be able to make them 
Yeah. Yeah. And that would have been, it would have been a pretty tough schedule. It would have been one of the few U sports athletes who would have been in that conundrum of having to race U sports on one weekend. And I think the world championships would have been just over a week after, after U sports. And that could have been a major problem for you because going to U sports for you may mean uh, having a really big weekend. So Last year, you were the champion in the 1,000 meters. And then this year, like we said, you're leading the 1,500 and the 3K. You have a bit of 4 by 8 experience. Um, have you ever, have you any idea how you're going to balance uh, that and which races you may pick by the time you get to use sports in Edmonton? Um, from now on, I'm not very sure I need to talk to my coach, but I'm running the 1,500 for sure. And if we qualify, I'll be running the 4 by 8 also then right on I just need to talk with my coach know if I'm running the 1K or the 3K or both of them. I'm not quite sure. We'll see how training goes and how fast I'll be able, I'll be able to run at the Valentine. Yeah, you, you would, I guess you'd call yourself a miler, a bona fide miler. That's your favorite event, 15 mile. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's my favorite event. Do you take Bef- it from a... a uh, kind of a speed perspective or a long distance perspective like you'll have some people you're racing against who kind of have more of a cross-country background how would you kind of put yourself on that spectrum uh i think i will be like a cross-country background yeah because during the fall i'm doing the xc season and this xc season was pretty great for me i did great time and everything and i'm not the fastest guy like in my training group, we have like a lot of guys who can run like pretty pretty fast on 800 meters. So I think it's for me like pretty quick, uh, 1500 meters, and yeah. And let's talk about that training group a little bit because I think when people see you uh, getting these results, sometimes they're a bit surprised because when people think of Quebec, they think of Laval and they think of you know, the, the dynasty that, that's over there. And you kind of exist somewhere different. You train somewhere different to the point where, you know, sometimes we'll forget about you until you get to a race and, and pop a huge time. So tell me a bit about the training situation in, in Montreal. Yeah. So right now I'm train, I'm training with the St. Laurent Club and I'm coached by Samuel Marion. Um, and it's been like three years, three or four years that I've been coaching by him. Um, most of my group are 800 meter guys, so I'm training most of the time alone. Um, I'm also representing the UDM, so Carabin, but I am training with my civil club and not with the universities. Uh, so yeah, it's a little bit strange, but it works for me and I love it to train that way, so I just continue that way. Right, and so in in uh, that relationship with your coach would have started, I guess, in high school. Um, no, uh, it started when I was in CJEP because I was in another club before. Then I changed for that club, mm. so yeah, I changed in two thousand sixteen. Before I was with Lachine, another club, civil club. Okay, and Lachine that would be located where in Quebec, close to Montreal, I guess. Yeah, it's in Montreal. Also, yeah. Montreal. Okay, okay. Yeah. I'm brushing up on my uh, my Quebec geography. We'd, we'd visit Quebec every summer uh, with my family in Montreal, but outside of the two big cities, I'm still trying to locate myself. I know where a couple Normandins are, and that's that, that that's, that's, that's kind of the most of it. <laughs> yeah, 
yeah there's a lot of them in quebec city but there's no, i think there's not not one in montreal oh really no normanda didn't make it to montreal that's kind of that's kind of disappointing yeah i think it's like something special from quebec city so because oh, <laughs> i remember we do when we'd go over to the mcgill race we'd stop and i guess it'd be on the way it was, was kind of a tradition we'd go to normanda and everyone would try it not many people i did my undergrad at saint effects and not many people saint effects spoke french so everyone tried to order in french they hated to see us get there because everyone's french was really bad and poor and i'd end up having to translate for a lot of them but that ended up being the, the joke on those years <laughs> well that's a that's an advantage you have in montreal you probably kind of grow up bilingual in a sense yes or no because like my family is french I went to a French school, French high school, French CJEP, and now French university. So mm. um, most of the time I'm speaking French, like, and it's just like with some friends or in trips that I speak in English. Right. Easier to live anywhere in, in Canada and, and uh, be born French because English, you just kind of learn through osmosis. I find it's, it's everywhere. So you kind of just wake up one day and realize that you, you kind of know it, <laughs> right? Yeah. A, a lot of Netflix. <laughs> a lot of Netflix. What What are you watching right now? I was watching Brooklyn Nine Nine, but now it's over, so I need to figure it out to find something new to watch. Oh yeah, <laughs> Brooklyn Nine Nine is. I love that show, and I think they're they're coming out with another season yet again. Yeah, season uh, season seven is going. Uh, is coming uh, nearby. Yeah, yeah. I ever. Um, Did you ever see Andy Samberg, like uh, Jake Peralta, on a talk show, like outside of Brooklyn Nine-Nine? I don't know, never. If you go on YouTube and look up Andy Samberg on Jimmy Fallon, he like he's being himself in the interview, and he's exactly like Jake Peralta. So I think it's amazing <laughs> because his character on Brooklyn Nine-Nine is just literally him, I think. That's exactly how he is in real <laughs> life. <laughs> All right, for sure, I will go see that. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, it's a good show. I can't wait for the next one to come out. I yeah. uh, the one I got into right now is uh, I got a new laptop, and um, there's this uh, Apple Apple TV that's kind of trying to mimic Netflix, but it only has like eight episodes. And there's this one with uh, Jennifer Aniston and Steve Carell called The Morning Show. That's that's my shout out for the show. I recommend that one if you if you ever stumble <laughs> upon Apple TV, you'll like it. <laughs> perfect keep that in mind but oh yeah running yeah let's talk about running um you uh we were talking about montreal and you say you have a bit of a training group um but i'm sure that some of your workouts you kind of do by yourself right when you're really trying to dig deep and do these these you know mile pace three thousand meter pace workouts they must be mostly by yourself right yeah mostly by myself And when I'm doing some speed, I have like some teammates who can like help me. But when it's like 15 or tricky pace, I'm mostly alone. Mm -hmm. Do you find that tough sometimes? Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What do you? What are what are the tricks that you use to stay motivated in in those times? Just try to to get to stay focused on the on the on the goal for the season and yeah. I know I'm able to do it, so I just need to focus myself and tell me that, tell me that I'm able to do it, and yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, it's not easy sometimes, um, but uh, you seem to be making it really work really well for yourself, which is good. And it'll be exciting to see you at U Sports this year. Um, we were talking the other night about your uh, your eligibility. So there's a chance that this is your last year at U Sports, um, but also a chance that you're back for a few years. So tell me a bit about the school situation again. Yeah. So right now I'm I'm at the end of my degree in law. So I'm gonna finish my degree this session, and I need to figure out like in two days what I'm doing with my future. So did you say in two have, days? Yeah, two days. Oh, jeez. I'm sorry. We're keeping you this long. Jeez, to make a decision. No, don't worry. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, I think I'm just gonna apply in everything and just like decide after. So yeah. So maybe I'll do a master, or I'll just go take the bar. So we'll see. Wow. So three, three years of post Cigep University. Those are your three years of law. So you could take the bar. Um, cool. Okay. And your type of law that you're perhaps thinking of, you've narrowed it down to a couple, uh, a couple areas. Um, I like uh, the family law, mm-hmm. or maybe in like tax system. Cool. Yeah. Ooh. So yeah. So this may be the last year that we see Kevin Robertson at U Sports. Hope not. You were entertaining to watch last year. Um, <laughs> Thanks. And the difference, though, this year. Um, last year you kind of got to enter U Sports as a bit of an underdog and everyone kind of had their eyes on Jack Sheffer in the 15 and see if he could double. And then there's Jean Simon with people kind of recognized from the cross country season. And you kind of came from the shadows to win the one K now this year you're coming in and people may have a bit more of an idea who you are. Do you feel like there's a bit of added pressure on you? Mm, I don't know. I don't think so. I'll just go there, have fun and, try to do my best and we'll see what will happen after <laughs> and use the motto of my old friend angus rowling when he got nervous <laughs> he would just tell himself what to do today just bury yourself <laughs> yeah that's a good advice yeah especially if you're doing the k the 15 and the 3k i think burying yourself <laughs> will take care of itself <laughs> yeah well we'll see for that i'm not quite sure it's going to be a very big weekend if I'm doing like four events. Yeah. Qualify for the four by eight. So we'll see. I seriously need to have a good discussion with my coach. Oh my God. I'd, I'd almost want to try it just for the story, just to be able to tell people that you've been on and you did. Oh my God. How much is that? That's, let's do some math. 6,100 meters in four races. Oof. Yeah. That would, <laughs> that would really hurt. All right. And I think that championship is like in three days i think so it's gonna be like almost one race per day yeah and i haven't done that since high school so <laughs> yeah high school it's it's kind of like it's you're almost invincible when you're in high school i remember these these like <laughs> zone meets where you're running 15 in the morning and then running 800 two hours later and then like chug a liter of chocolate milk and then come back to run the 3k like you just there's nothing that gets to you, and I wish I still kind of had that stamina. <laughs> it would be awesome. <laughs> well, all right, Kevin Robertson, we're going to end up with four rapid-fire questions. They're not difficult questions, um, so don't worry. First question is, um, oh, here's a good one. What's your take on the Nike Vaporfly? Oof. <laughs> I like the style of the shoes. They're pretty nice. 
Um, I read that they're running super fast. I haven't had, I didn't have the chance to test them, so I don't know if they're really that fast, but it's going to be an experience. <laughs> mm. Have you have you been reading at all about how they uh, they're thinking of banning them, and now it seems like they're going to be they're going to be allowed until perhaps after the Olympics. Have you seen that? Yeah, I've seen that pass, but I think it's just weird. Like at the end of the day. And Kipchoge still do like two flats for a marathon with those shoes, so I don't think like that it can improve that much. So mm. yeah, and then the other thing too is you have these companies who are working on a matching prototype. Like it'd be interesting to see what they come up with too, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. It's a marketing move also. So <laughs> company needs to make money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I hope we see. I hope we see them. We keep seeing them because it it makes it makes it interesting. Yeah. All right. Question two: What's the last book you've read, or what are you reading lately? Um, I just finished a Max Lomi book. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. How was it? It was pretty good. It was a autobiography about him and how he was able to play hockey with diabetes type one. So it was pretty nice. I'm a hockey fan also, so yeah, it was pretty nice. Yeah. Quiet. Max Domi, um, I saw that he'd published a book just the other day, and, and I still haven't gotten to read it, but that's pretty cool. Type 1 diabetes. Um, I, and I'm about 99% sure of this, I was running on the lakeshore of Toronto um, earlier this week, so I, or actually I guess late last week, and I saw his dad, Ty Domi, walk and he had the look on you know who Ty Domi is if you're a hockey fan yeah you know how he never smiles <laughs> yeah it, that was it was definitely him he was about five foot six I was about three inches taller than him and and he had that walk and he was, look, was tough looking and I'm quite certain it was Ty Domi I almost stopped for an autograph <laughs> uh, are you a Habs fan yeah I am yeah uh <laughs> yeah, pretty tough season. Yeah. Uh, What'd you think of the Kovalchuk signing? Well, it's awesome. Like he's there for the young players, and he's having a lot of fun in Montreal, and he's performing very well. Like he scored another goal tonight. So, for seven hundred thousand dollars, like. It's nothing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yeah, exactly. If they would have signed him for what his old contract was, that would be one thing. But yeah, 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 that's interesting to see him on there. I hope they can turn it around and maybe, maybe have a good impact in the draft. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. All right. Next question: What's something you want to see happen for yourself in 2020? Can be running related or otherwise. Mm, that's a tough question, to be honest. I don't. Well. If I'm talking about running, I hope to go under 340. And I guess I'm fine what I want to do in my future. <laughs> oh, don't we all? Don't we all? Well, I hope it for you. Yeah. And finally, question four, uh, what's a shout-out that you'd like to give? Who would you want to give a shout-out to? Um, to all my training partners, uh, my coach, my family, my girlfriend, and yeah, that's about it. 
I said one shout out, Kevin. But okay, we'll we'll let it slide. We'll let it slide. Um, <laughs> <laughs> great. Well, Kevin, uh, sub three forty for you would put you right into uh, the hunt for Tokyo. So I certainly wish it for you, and uh, of course, best of luck for the rest of the indoor season. And uh, we'll be cheering from Toronto. Thanks a lot for coming on. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, feel free to subscribe to The U and to its parent publication, The XC, to get this content politely shoved into your inbox. As for this podcast, you can find it on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, all the regular podcast places. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time. Like, who knows, with, like, sports psych and especially coaching, everything is so interrelated, especially, like, in teaching as well, like, with the Z and, um, yeah, coaching. So, um, yeah, we'll see how it comes together. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They complement each other well. Yeah, I wouldn't worry about the defense. <laughs> it Mine was the most, seriously, the most underwhelming thing. And it was, like, the most pressured thing. So, the... I got a scholarship at Ryerson and to get it though, there was a condition that I had to finish my master's and if not, like I wouldn't get the scholarship and like Toronto's incredibly expensive. I was like, fuck. So, um, uh, I was like, I got to finish it in time and, and yeah. I wasn't done in the summer. So, and I was working full time. So I was scrambling and like panic for the whole summer. And by the end I got to defend on August 29th, like three days before I started at Ryerson and I was, you know, wow. I'm playing Eye of the Tiger and Rocky as I'm getting in there. I'm thinking, this is going to, I'm going to blow this out of the water. And I walk in and there are literally four people in there. And it was just like <laughs> one of the lights wasn't working. It was just the most bullshit thing. And it went fine, but no one was going to fail me because no one was there. Anyway, it was just like the most underwhelming thing. <laughs> the like yeah, I just, even with the whole matches itself, like I find that I struggled with is like the, you know, you go to like the conferences and these sets and it was, I mean, research is being published and people are doing good work. And I think we need to inform sport and the practices we do, but a lot of it is, and I don't want to say fluff, but it, it really felt kind of like, what am I contributing and what does this mean? And can we summarize this in less than five words instead of having to dedicate two years to a project that are we, you know, kind of answering the same questions, I guess is what I'm it just, yeah, the, the research itself, it's very niche and those who are in it are caring about it. But I think that translation piece of exactly what Alex Hutchison does is we need people in positions that are like taking research and applying it and making it accessible to people to actually use that. Because otherwise, to do research, to have it is it's kind of like a end in it of itself. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And even Hutchinson, but, like it took him a while to get where he is right like he had this this yeah. physics the physics background and then i think at like 27 or 28 he pivoted and decided to go into journalism and like so mm -hmm. i don't know it became easy for him too because he had all this 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 experience and other things and was pretty knowledgeable when he got to it because he was a bit older and yeah no i hear you yeah. that that's a part of what drove me out too we had we had this rule at queens that we had to like be or not queens at windsor we had to be in the lab between. <laughs> it's Freudian slip. I, oh, I, I, I still don't know why. It's funny how I decided to go to Windsor because I loved like just the look of Queens when I visited there, and I was oh, I thought it was so nice. But yeah, at Windsor we were stuck between the, nine and four. Yeah. Nine and four. So that was a that was a must that you had to be there. 
yeah, we get once I showed up at ten and I got I got like I got shit on by my advisor. It's like, oh my god, I should have gone to Queens. Maybe that's that's probably a good thing, honestly. Maybe the, I don't I don't do well with flexibility, and I think that's the biggest thing is now in teachers' college, like you're you're expected to be in class, you have to be there. Sometimes I show up a little bit late, but yeah. I think like I need structure. And in terms of like a career and looking ahead, like if I was sitting at a desk and doing work, I I don't think I could like in running I'm I'm pretty disciplined in my in my work and academic life I I need interaction and structure and kind of I guess exactly how kind of a classroom works yeah. <laughs> in a school setting but um but no that's interesting with Windsor I, w- I was sure when you came to Queens I was like ah oh, this has the feeling of like it's kind of like Nova Scotia in some ways I feel like more like Halifax maybe than Anaganish but it has kind of that like small town feel and but I don't know after after seeing you at Windsor with the team and like you kind of make your home anywhere you go so I feel like that was a really good like the guys the friends that you've made there and I feel like that's more your school than St. FX like if I if I think about your like where did you go to school I would say Windsor oh really interesting oh for sure I like I also haven't read them as an issue yet, so maybe that will change my mind. But with all the involvement you had, like with like cross country, and and I think that's where maybe I just knew you more from when you're like in Ontario. But I don't know. And like with Gary, and with like I feel like that is like it's kind of your footprint. Yeah, I don't I, know. That's, it was a good fit. I in don't that think sense. that's the wrong way. I don't know. Oh, geez, no, no. <laughs> I, I, right. I did. I really liked but, it in Windsor. Like, it's too bad most of the time I was hurt for a lot of the time there but the the good part of Windsor yeah was the people like Gary's just amazing and like yeah we I remember I remember meeting him at like this like shit absolute shitty pita place after the CIS (laughs) after party and like it was four in the morning and we were both drinking and he bought me this like food and we talked until five and anyway I was like who the heck is this old dude he's just so fun to talk to and anyway the rest was history. <laughs> incredible. Yeah. Honestly, and like Windsor in terms of the destination, like a lot of people I think are deterred just like from a city standpoint, but the school I've only heard good things. Like the the culture and especially with the track team. Like it is it's pretty special what what they've got going. So Yeah. And and the yeah. thing is like in Windsor, the um the training environment is actually great. It's warm. For most of the year, yeah. it barely snows. Sure. You're right close to the state, so you, you have a whole bunch of other meets you can go to. Um, That's it, true. It's it's like it's actually a pretty underrated place in terms of training uh, possibility. And facilities are great too. I think that's the why facilities are good. Oh, they're they're great. I think that's why they they got good in the first place. So, yeah, 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 yeah. No, it is true. And I mean, like Melissa Bishop has has stayed there since. Like, there must be a reason. And and I mean, her family's like all Ottawa based, but it does have like, in terms of a setup for training, it, it has what you need. And I feel like there's a lot of local businesses and stores just based on like Corey Belmore and like the connections he has and stuff too. Like it's, it's pretty supportive of like the running community. Like it seems to be like a lot of like community involvement almost, I guess. Yeah, it is. It is great. It it is a really good setup. And yeah. 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 Uh, now you're making me yeah. miss it. Oh God. Oh God. I need, I need to like fall in love with Toronto. Like I fell in love with Anaganish and fell in love with Windsor, but I, I, it's taking yeah. time. 
there's a lot of people Are who you... vape and it, it, there's a lot of smoke and it, ah, I'm getting used to it. Yeah. It's coming. Is, uh, are you connected at all with UFT or like with running or anything like that? I trained for like three weeks with UTTC. Um, and okay. really the reason I stopped was just because they were doing these workouts and I was like, I was working hard because I wanted to like keep up with them and I was getting in shape and I got greedy and just like my body broke down again. So I talked to Terry, who's awesome. And I was like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to do this on my own. And when I can actually get some consistency going and I feel like I'm not going to break down, I'll come back to the group and then start going and training. Cause like, it was hard to go there and be like, okay, I'm going to do like half of the workout and I'm not going to go as intensely. Like you kind of get carried away. Right. So I think for me right now, it was better to kind of just figure it out on my own, get a little bit more durable, get a bit stronger and then go with them again. Cause they have a great group and it's obviously just getting bigger now. And so, yeah, made some friends through there. I drove to uh, Waterloo with uh, Ben DeVito and a few of them. And they're just, they're just a fun time. Yeah, no, and all the running groups too, like even running clubs, if like still competitive, but not maybe like the level of UTC. But like I know, I think it's Black Lungs is Rajon's club, and then there's like Black Toe Running, and I, like it seems like there's quite a few um, groups to join, even together for like easy runs and stuff too. It just makes that part like more enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. Rajon is a New Brunswicker. I never actually met Rajon, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. That's actually really cool. Young roots. Very cool. And Ryerson's good. Like the, it's a journalism program. Is that right? Yeah. It's a journalism program. It's good. It's, okay. it's good. I, uh, yeah. I like the program, but, but yeah, like I think you and I, it's kind of the same. We've always been in school with a bit of a, like a, a running focus. Like there's some, there's some sort of running there somewhere and there it's like not at all. Yeah. So it's, it's different. Interesting. Yeah. Like there's Is a runner. Like might, a two anyway. year. Sorry, what's that? Sorry, is it like a, it, would it be like a two-year master's? Is yeah. what the journalism is? Yeah, two Okay, years. so it's a similar degree, but you don't have to defend. Like, it's not a thesis base. No, geez, I wouldn't go in another one. Okay. Oh, yeah, no, it's, <laughs> it's straight up classes. That was the that was okay. the rule. If I was going to school again, no more theses. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that is, that's cool. I and mean, then would the goal be to stay in Toronto and kind of like continue on with like writing and stuff there or do you see yourself maybe moving back home or I won't move back home uh home's a bit too small but uh I I'm not married to Toronto either it's hard to know like a part a part of me wants to stay because like you just you kind of have a lot of there's a lot of opportunity there to like break like a lot of the cool places to write for are theirs like see TSN is there and Sportsnet's there if you want to do sports and like and you got a lot of, of papers otherwise. And so I don't know, but um, I would stay there. But if I do, I'll definitely move out of the city, like maybe live yeah. perhaps like 20, 30 minutes out of town. A bit nicer there. Right. Yeah. A little bit cheaper, hopefully. Too. <laughs> oh my God. I hope so. Yeah. yeah. What people do is like, you'll have, we live in like two person condos and then they open up the, the third, there's a third room that's like a den, which is supposed to be an office and they make it a room to like split the cost three ways. And there's, I have a car and I didn't even bring it because the parking spaces in Toronto are like super expensive. I know of someone who had a parking space downtown and sold it for $40,000. That's 
crazy. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And probably not even like a conveniently located spot. I don't know. Oh, yeah, it is. Uh, it's an amazing city. I'm always happy to go. But when I leave, I'm also like kind of relieved. <laughs> it's, an interesting, <laughs> it's an interesting place to be. But it's, it's you're just so close to everything. And like if you want to go see a game or if you want to go to like, it's just, it, it's always like bumping with stuff to do oh yeah and are yeah. you like are you a hockey fan time. uh it's basketball jays basketball i got chris nba tickets for uh Ooh. raptors tickets yeah for nba <laughs> um yeah raptors tickets for for in march so because the world is canceled now i for sure know i can go we yeah. got them for the 16th so i took a bit of a risk but oh, um well that'll be a good consolation yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who do they play so they're playing Golden State, so oh, <laughs> I geez. thought it'd be kind of cool. You're yeah, really like, balled oh, out for oh, man. Yeah, I, you don't want to know what I did for those tickets. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, it was actually Marcel Shiel for the Western team had them. He won them at like a raffle, so then I bought them off him because he likes like hockey better. So he's gonna get some NHL tickets, I think. And then nice, um, nice. yeah, so. I'm, like, I'm excited for that. But it is like even planning a trip to go there, then it's like, okay, we need a place to stay. Like, it's going to be like, you have to drive there. Where are you going to park? <laughs> like, it's this like whole like ordeal to get to Toronto. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. Well, the train would be. I have about uh, four square meters of space. If you and Chris want to <laughs> stay, stay over, you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're pretty, we're pretty packable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly, and that's like even meeting up with people in Toronto. Like, I have friends from school, but it's like by the time like you get to the city and like you realize nothing's really that close. Like you think you're close, and then you're like, oh shit. Okay, yeah, no, nothing take, is like, close because you gotta go. You gotta is, go for runs, hard. and that's the end of the world because you're in the middle of town, and then you have to walk. Yeah. You have to walk about twenty to twenty-five minutes down Bay Street, and that's how long it takes because you gotta <laughs> stop and weave around people. Then you get to your run, and if your run's thirty minutes, it's it, it's almost ridiculous. So you do your 30 minute run, you come back and then you walk 25 minutes back and then you see like the odd poor soul trying to like weave through everyone (laughs) running, stopping, running, stopping. And it's like, oh my God, like this must suck for your Strava profile. And anyway, it's (laughs) it's such a mess. Six minute pace. I actually went for a run once. I think it was after, uh, I can't remember what I was doing in Toronto, but I was trying to beat every pedestrian light. So every time I was coming up to the intersection, I would see like it counting down from like 15, 14. So eventually by like 10 minutes in, I was going like temp- like 330Ks. I was like, what the heck? Because I was like trying to get to each light and it just worked out that I was like having to beat the next. Oh, so anyway, that's what city running was like for me. But, Don't yeah. play chicken. Plus the cars. Yeah. That's you like know. a rule. Don't play. You can play chicken. You could probably play chicken in Lucano. You definitely can play ch- chicken in the <laughs> PEI. Don't play chicken in Toronto. They do not care. No. Oh, God. 100%. Yeah, true. That's a good point. Yeah. I'll have to move back to Lucknow or Nova Scotia or something then if I want to run like that. Where the people are nice. But, you know, what? in Antigonish, yeah. it happened once. Me and Angus Rawling were running on like this little, well, it was one of the arteries of Antigonish, but that's not saying much. And Angus got hit by a truck. A truck just ran him over. It was it was right before the indoor yeah. season. Pretty concerning. That's the most violence I've yeah. seen in the roads, actually, Antigonish. It kind of goes one of two ways. Like, if, if there's no runners, like, in Lucknow, even, like, they don't expect them. Like, when I'm running along country roads, like, if there's a huge combine or something coming up, like, that's the last thing they expect is, like, just this girl, like, running up the hill. <laughs> so, it's kind of, I guess it could be both dangerous, but 
that's yeah. I yeah. guess London's kind of the good in between for that because they know like there's run groups going around and you have like all the running room and um back roads like runners kind of through throughout spring bank but yeah and um, if it's like a really back yeah. roads a really back roads truck or car like this truck in Antigonisha <laughs> didn't have a license plate so it's like well we're not going to be gosh. able to track it even if we do try <laughs> to report it oh my god <laughs> yeah that's not best case scenario but yeah hopefully he's okay uh, he seems to be doing he, all right. He, then, yeah, he so. he kind of bounced back pretty good. He was, <laughs> he was fine. <laughs> it's like a cat. He was, yeah, oh, it was more man. of a story than anything. Yeah. Uh, okay. They're pretty crazy in Boston. That's bad, too. <laughs> oh, in Boston, probably. <laughs> Speaking of, yeah, there there's a lot of road rage there, but. Well, I was in Boston once, <laughs> and it was during the marathon weekend, and that was interesting because it was like a shift, like, because when it's the marathon weekend, everyone in Boston is a runners and is like wearing the jacket and everything. And yeah, at yeah, that yeah. point, the cars just like yielded. There were no cars in the streets because it, like the streets were owned by the runners that it was really cool. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's good. If you have packs, then, then it's kind of like herd immunity. Like then you don't have to worry too much, but if you're just the sole runner, like kind of flying through the intersections, you got to look both ways. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. Great. Here's a secret I'll share with you before I let you go. I this thing has been recording the whole time, and I'm, <laughs> I'm trying this. I'm trying this thing, okay? Because this is what I've noticed when I talk to guests: the best conversation happens after the interview. And I uh, think that's probably true. Well, Sweet. it was Alrighty. good to talk to you. And uh, yeah, for yeah, sure. I'm Thank sure I will uh, see you around sometime soon. Thanks a lot for for coming Sounds on again. Good. Awesome, for sure. Have a good rest of your night. All right. You too. Okay. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye-bye.